With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. All right. Sunday night, late night radio. What fun. up this morning looking for my shoes look behind the trunk found the hesitation blues lordy tell me how long lordy tell me how long will i have to wait will i have to wait can i get you now can i get you now must i hesitate I'm intimidated 
At least I was beforehand because we got the chance to talk to her uh, before the show. Michelle and I is like, she is literally like the Wonder Woman of, like, superheroes. I mean, she's done everything. We will discuss that. We will discuss all that. Okay. All right. Uh, by the way, uh, I just looked at live streaming. We are number two in popularity right now. We even are beating Jennifer Lopez announces marriage to Finn Affleck in a surprise wedding. That'll this never is, last. Wow. Yeah, we're we're beating, but this PGN Radio, we got to figure out how to beat him because he's always. He was number one last week. We were number two, so we got to figure out how to beat this PGN guy. All right, but uh, let let let's move on. So yes, we are we are doing very well right now. We are the number one show, a uh, number two show, and we are beating Jennifer Lopez. Cool, cool. That's all right. Something to be said. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like clicking around Blog Talk Radio right now. All right, so we got some show announcements. Uh, next week, your guy, Tom Sawyer, John Bella, is in our house. Cool. I'd like to get a winning program going on in the next few weeks. Well, we do. Week, next week. And then on the 14th, we need somebody on the 31st. I didn't realize that we had another date in July. So we need somebody. And, Tom, you mentioned a couple of people. And, you know, we're we're going to – we got to fill – we got to fill up the 31st. Uh, we will be graced with a true legend, Count Gordy Ball. Okay, cool. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, thank you, William. <laughs> You're welcome. Well, you know what I'm talking about there. Yep. We're just, she's just waiting to hear the other word. Not going to happen. Speaking of awesome sauce. Just like that. <laughs> it is Natalie Johnston's birthday today. Natalie Johnston is the wife of Aaron D. Johnston, who is the hands down the best salesperson for Honest Amish. Happy birthday, Natalie. Happy Happy birthday. birthday. Happy birthday, Natalie. And don't forget Honest Amish. It's made in America. It's 100% all natural. And don't forget, if you're going to make an order, put in the promo code TALKINGBEARDS, TALKINGBEARDS, and you will definitely get 15% off on your purchase, which William and Tom, I'm buying you some soap, not because you're dirty. It's because you're going to love this soap. Even though it's so pretty, you're not going to want to use the soap. You're going to want to put it in your guest bathroom saying, yeah, I own that soap. <laughs> well, that's good. At least it will probably uh, make a uh, you know, good little decoration uh, next to the coffee cup. 
but yet it smells so good, you're going to want to use the soap. So you're going to have a dilemma. You're definitely going to have a dilemma using this soap. It, it is, I will tell you, I got the hand towel too. Oh, my gosh, that hand towel, it works magic. Because I get dry hands all the time, and, yeah, th- this is an amazing product. Okay, Tom Sawyer, what's going on with you? Well, I just had Enrod We Trust 2 released uh, just this week. So I'm very happy and proud and excited and all the other good stuff. Um, hoping I can get some copies in time for Motor City Nightmares Convention on the last weekend in July. So That is so awesome. You know, well, whatever. Congrats, man. Yeah, thanks. You know, yeah, and- only five more to go. <laughs> you know, so I've been busy writing short stories and trying, you know, like Nick called us needing to write that nagging urge that we have to do something. So it's like, yeah, even when I'm told I'm going to take a break, I don't take a break. So I'm either thinking <laughs> of ideas or something. I just, you know, I can't stay, you know. And I'm working on uh, the back, you know, the backstories and stories to a couple other uh, novels, too. So trying to work out that and flesh out some of the details on that before I get going into some novels. Nice. Good idea. So, yeah, you know, he, kinda... he kind of seems like the guy where, uh, Tom, I always kind of think of you as the guy who said, I'm going to just relax for one hour in a chair. No, wait, five minutes later. No, wait, I got to do this. Oh, no, wait, I got to do this. Well, I do no, relax in a chair. I'll watch TV and then I'll get a legal pad and I'll write out my stories longhand, so. You know, I actually do that. I'll, I'll use a legal pad and type them in later. So I'm old school that way. So, you know, nice. it seems like it takes longer to some, but it goes pretty fast for me. So it works. That's how I figured you were. It's kind of like I'm going to relax for just a few minutes. Oh, wait, no, I got to do this. Yep. Well, uh, relax, you know, hey, everybody. Hey, Nick. Hey, uh, hey, you know, Tom, that's how I write, too. I take out a notepad or anything I can write on and stuff. And I, you, you notice that there's an editing process to that once you transfer it to oh, yeah. uh, type you, or a like word processing computer. Yeah, so you kind of smooth over things and, you know, mm-hmm. and stuff. And Where it takes yeah, time to transfer and type great. it in, you kind of save time on editing that way, too. So, you know, it's like other than typos or something, but, you know, it does seem like it equals out, don't we? <laughs> yeah, so so your In Rod We Trust 2 is out now. Cool. I'm excited. Yep. Came out this weekend. Another thing from Black Bedsheet that came out this weekend also is our second book in our um, classic horror series, uh, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. That cool. just came. Yeah, it just came out today. So I want to, like, do that. I want to have a nice, like, little published library of public domain classic horror stuff and everything. I, I figure I'm a publisher. 
I can do it. It just takes like it took me a day to like um, put everything together, format everything, and design the cover. And well, a day, and I stayed up until three in the morning. But <laughs> but um, really wanted to get that that book out. It was supposed to come out in January. The first one is um, Carmela. I believe that's what it's called. Nobody, I've never heard the name said either Carmela or Camilla. Camilla, Cam- I thought that's what it's called. Camilla. Yeah, probably. That's probably how it's. When I when I Carmilla. published it, I thought that it was. Uh, I I kept saying in my head that it was uh, Carmela, but then I thought no, maybe it's Carmilla, or well, you know, I mean, tomato, tomato. <laughs> yeah, I really want way. to know. I got to look it up. Uh, but anyway, yes. And uh, then the next one might very well be Invasion of the Body Snatchers. That is public domain now. And uh, But I'm um, also thinking of something more obscure, because not very many people have heard of Carmela. Um, and that was the strategy of, you know, taking something that uh, a, um, a classic literature that's horror-themed and, uh, you know, present it to a new generation and at the same time have a nice little line of it. Um, on the side, uh, with a you know big main focus of the new authors, new releases, and everything. And and um, before I shut up about it, um, the night they got out is coming out this week from Patrick James Ryan, the sequel to one of our biggest selling books ever, um, and uh, a Pocket Full of Heads by Tom Gade O'Lawson coming out with uh, unique illustrations the uh, book of poetry which is a dark poetry which is really good uh, of course and also um, Jason Gaylord's uh, new short story collection uh, The Rift is coming out not this week but next week and also A Scream in the Night 2 our all new sequel to our women's anthology and it's edited by Raina Young. That's coming out at the end of the month also. So uh, here at Black Bedsheet Books, we're very busy. Also, I have to mention Eric Shuttleworth's Omnibus um, of Evil House's short stories. It's going to come out probably the first week of August. So whenever I think of the word omnibus, I keep thinking of om- a crossbreed between Omni Magazine and public transportation. That's another story. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, so, yeah, so, anyway, <laughs> that's what's going on with the sponsor of this show. Anyway, I'll stop well, hey, now. Not too right. shabby, though. <laughs> All right, are we ready? Yep. I need to get a oh, yeah. wrong one. I need to get, William, any announcement? Well... Just uh, actually getting ready to coordinate and make arrangements to try to uh, set up some book signings for uh, Legend of Graham How to Claire. And, because it's uh, open now. Yes, it is. And uh, other than that, just uh, plug it away. Uh, you know, we're we're still pushing the author's challenge, and uh, you know, I'm just turning along and uh, you know, plug it away as much as possible. So, keep me out of trouble. Keep both the hands busy, because never mind. I think that the extra hand is the devil's hand. I don't, I don't, I never got that phrase. 
right, but let's bring on. Are we ready, Michelle Murray? Hey, Michelle. Hey, Michelle. Hey, thanks so much for having me on, everybody. Well, well thank, you for, thank you for not hanging up on us, hearing how no. we are waiting <laughs> the Santa Claus factory. No yes, well, well, no, yep. You guys have a fun show. Yeah. We try. Well, thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right, so, Michelle. So, how did you get started? Go ahead, Tom. Tell us about yourself. Well, I'm not going to bore everybody with my resume because I think Clancy uh, posted it with the uh, with the show format tonight. So you all can read my my whole bio there. But um, I'm retired from the United States Army. Um, I worked in air defense, shot missiles at people for a living, and they shot them back. Um, and then I got into screenwriting and novel writing and publishing is kind of what I do now, a little bit of acting. Um, Got lots of hobbies that I love to do, and I blame the Army for that. All those years, I, you know, I couldn't go many places now. I go everywhere and do everything <laughs> that I couldn't do in the last 20 years. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I was surprised. He, would, he did skydiving, too, on top of that. No <laughs> less. <laughs> yeah, I got to jump with the Army's Golden Knights, so I'm pretty proud. That was probably one of my favorite things I ever did in the was jump with the Golden Knights. I'm pretty proud of that. I did hear that if you skydive just once, you will never be afraid of anything else in the world. I mean, I would tell you you'll still be afraid, but you'll be able to conquer your fears. I, like, I, I'm deathly afraid of heights. I've always, you know, jumped out of planes with my eyes closed, but... um. Yeah, it gives you a little more confidence. If you can, you know, jump out of a plane going 70 miles an hour, yeah, yeah, you can do most things. Everything else seems minor compared to that. Now, what do you, what do you say, speaking of afraid of heights, like let's say you're not afraid of heights and then all of a sudden you became afraid of heights out of nowhere. Why? You know, mm. like in regular life or you come out in the military? Like in life, I would tell you it. I would tell you it sounds like something happened, even if you're not aware of it. It sounds like something happened, but I'm, I'm not a doctor, so maybe I would talk to a doctor. I don't know. It could just be maybe you saw something. It could even be you watched something on TV and it just instilled a fear in you. Ah, that makes sense. Yeah, or like you read a book. I mean, it could be a number of things. Yeah. Yeah, Maybe you heard about an accident or something. I used to be the, okay, I was a tomboy growing up, and my brothers were, like, so, like, insecure about me, and they're, like, I was the one climbing the tree to the top, and they're, like, Mom, she's in the tree again. (laughs) Get her out of my mom. Get out of the tree. Yeah, so I, I was that kid. I now I got a kitty, and I, okay, never mind. I, okay, so yeah, I mean, everything that I've read about you, you are like 
And now I just figured out that you jump out planes. <laughs> it's well, kind of like as a hobby. You know, so, no, that was my job. That, <laughs> that wasn't a hobby. I know. That was my job. Okay. <laughs> okay, your job is you you clock in to work and it's gonna say you're gonna jump out of a plane today and it's kinda like Okay. So that's I'll not know. really how the military works. No, that's not how that works. So I didn't um I didn't do combat jumps. I did, that was not at all what I did. I was blessed and got to jump with the Golden Knights, which is the United States Army show team. Okay, so like when you go to these football games and these different events, these air shows, and they have the people diving out of planes doing different things. That was what I I got to jump with them. And um, there's a huge difference. When you do combat jumps, you're jumping out of the plane about 1,200 feet off the ground. But when you do show jumps, um, you're going anywhere from 10 to 15,000 feet up in the air. Like my first jump was at 13,000 feet. Typically they're okay. around, you know, between – Ten and fifteen thousand feet. Um, yeah, huge difference. But you don't really clock in when you're in the military. Like you don't, you don't clock in. You just kind of go to work, and you know, like I'm in combat today, or I'm not, or, or whatever. Yeah. Dude, There's a lot of things that more badass before the show. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Well, <laughs> I don't view it I that mean, way, but thank you. Seriously, I I've said it before, and I'll say it again. You know, Michelle, thank you so much for serving. I mean, yeah. That Honestly, was, yes, 100%. I, I definitely I support the troop. Whenever I see a troop and whenever I'm at a job and we offer military discount, they're, like, totally surprised that we offer it in my and they're like, thank you for supporting, and I'm like, no, thank you for serving. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, honestly, because you guys are—I mean, you're the front line. You're the people yeah. that make Don't us I. go to bed at night, saying, "Okay." I mean, you're the voice of America. I don't care what the voice is anymore. You are the voice. And you risk your life, and I think that is so awesome. Well, thank you for those kind words. But, you know, and I really want to thank you because a lot of people don't understand what service members go through so that we can live in America and have the freedoms that we do. Um, you know, so many people disparage our country, but I tell you what, go live in any of the other 120-some-odd countries yeah. around the world and, and you know how you can have it. Exactly. Wow. Yes. I say that all the time. You're like, everybody's like, America sucks. And I'm like, well, go. Even our poorest of the poor have it better than most people in in other countries. So we're very blessed. As somebody who has literally been around the world multiple times, we're very blessed here in this country. So I thank you for acknowledging that. I I totally respect and not only because I I've read your bio dude I'm like sitting here thinking, Oh, 
I got a sore leg. I, I, oh, I can't go to work tomorrow. I got a sore leg. I'm going to have pain. And you, you're like, screw that sore leg. I'm going to go jump out of an airplane. You know, it's like, it's kind of like everything that everybody's taking for granted, you protect. And lots of men and, and women are, are still on the front lines protecting it right now. You know, I'm not active duty anymore, but lots of lots of people are yep. home with their families so that they can still protect all of us. Yeah, and and I appreciate that. Honestly, now, Francie, you know, people like you, I do stand up in my living room, and I I do stand up, and I I put my hand over the heart during the national anthem. And I think that America is the greatest country, and for what you have served, I I cannot thank you enough. Well, Francie, I think I, I think what better way to say thank you is maybe um, start working on Werewolf Two, so that way then uh, we have a sequel to enjoy. That's right. I I, I am going to work on Werewolf Two. Okay. There's no yeah. rush, just hurry. <laughs> I have a question. Mm-hmm. Um, are aren't you or weren't you like Miss California or something? So <laughs> I was Miss California plus America because I'm 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 a little bit old now. I'm I'm not that young spring chicken. So yeah, I was I was in the the plus category. But that was super fun. That was super, 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 super fun. I met um, lots of lovely people, uh, you know, pageant director that I love and will cherish for the rest of my life. Um, you know, a lot of people think pageantry is all about just being pretty, and, and really that's not what it's about at all. It's about serving your community, you know, and just, you know, being a better person and, and maximizing your potential and, and helping others maximize theirs. There's so much more to pageantry than people realize sometimes. So that was really exciting for me. I enjoyed um, my time as um, I was actually Miss North Hollywood um, in the Miss California pageant for wow. 2019. So I was the, the Miss Hollywood title holder. Mm-hmm. Wow, so nice. you're all that and a bag of chips. Just think of it. <laughs> well, if uh, if uh, we were back in World War II, the chips would probably paint pictures of you on their airplanes. Yeah. I don't know about that. That sounds all right. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're talking about beauty pageantry and you're an army chick. So, I mean, man, you know, I mean, you got the toughness Nick, and you've got the beauty. I don't think you're allowed to use the word chick anymore. Well, I'm just, you know, trying to America. just, you know, well, be I'm okay normal. Well, I'm okay with Dick Aker. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, like the best of both worlds. You're you're tough, and you've got the beauty, mm-hmm. and you've got the experience for both. You've, you you really have, like, uh, done a lot in your whole entire lifetime. It's like something to be proud of. I agree. You know what, I'll be honest. I don't know if you've ever heard that song, Live Like You're Dying, by uh, Tim McGraw. At mm-hmm. one point, I had gotten really sick. I developed thyroid cancer. I got sick in the military. And there was a point where we didn't think I was going to make it. And 
Um, I remember I said, Lord, you know what? I have so much life left, and I'd like to do this and this and this and this, and please, Lord. Anyway, so I was well. I got treated, went into remission, but it changed the way I live my life. Um, there's been a lot more joy in my life since then, and I don't, um, I don't put things off until the right moment because you know you might not be here when the right moment presents itself. So really, yeah, tomorrow's changed. not guaranteed. Um, yeah, no, that's yeah, yeah, that, that's a great. That changed um, how I live life. That that Tim McGraw oh. song is really something that expresses mm-hmm. a lot. That yeah, yeah, yeah I mm-hmm. love that song. Wow. Well, from one cancer yeah. warrior to another, Michelle, I'm glad he got through that. I've had thyroid disease mm-hmm. and cancer, so not with, oh, not with the thyroid. Yeah. I had Don Hodgson's lymphoma. So, oh, bless her yeah. heart. Yeah. Yeah, too. Thank you. Yeah, so. yeah, absolutely. And so you understand, yeah, you go through something like that and it really, you know, it even changes your mindset about what you're capable of doing, right? Things that we might have said, oh, no, you know what, I can't do that, that's too much. But you go through something like that and then you're like, yeah, I can do it. Why not? Of course I can. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. It also makes you realize some of the stuff that you get upset about is minuscule compared to other things. Exactly. So it prioritizes exactly. stuff. So, Definitely Michelle, uh, the question is, how did you get into literary stuff? How did you become a writer and all that? What got you started? What was the prompt on that? You know what? Honestly, I've been a writer my whole entire life. Um, even, you know, in high school. And, and I got a partial scholarship to college, but my, to a private university, and my parents didn't want to fit the bill, and that's kind of how I wound up in the military. But, um, I mean, even then, I wanted to write. And I wrote throughout my time in the military. You know, I freelanced for different newspapers. I published, I did, you know, lots of things while I was in the in the military as a writer. But then when, um, you know, once that chapter was done, I went back to school and I got an MFA in screenwriting. And that's where it just kind of took off. My son is actually a professional actor. And so, you know, how I really got into it professionally um, and props to Nickelodeon. He was working at Nickelodeon. And um, one day on set, they just they needed a writer, and somebody said, go ask Kendall's mom. She's a writer. And I saw the director and everybody makes this beeline to me, and they started interrogating me. But, you know, that's really how, you know, because of my kid, because they like my kid. That's how I kind of got my foot in the door in that professional world. And, and then after that, you know, I went to his publicist. So to Rock Riddle, because my son's publicist. Um, who, you know, kind of coached and mentored me and led me down a career path. And let me tell you, I've had a lot of fun with that, like lots and lots and lots of fun. Um, The first show that I ever worked was The Mentalist, if anybody, and I'm telling my age here, if anybody remembers The Mentalist. That show was so much fun. Um, You know, and then I got to work crazy ones. Um, I only did one episode, but I got to work crazy ones with Robin Williams and that was really nice. He was such a nice person. So that was like a just a great experience. I remember when I got to set, he stuck his hand out and he says, "Hi, I'm I'm Robin, and what's your name?" As if he needed, you know, to introduce himself. Um, well, I just have some really great memories about him and how kind he was. Um, you know, and then just kind of one project led to another project, and so I've I've been able to have some fun. Like honestly, I've I've been able to have some fun, and then I. I've always written long form as well, whether it was novels or poetry or whatever. 
And before the pandemic started, I actually decided to get into publishing. Um, one of the reasons I decided to do that is, I don't know, there's something in me that just likes to help other people achieve their dreams. And I have fun with what I do, so, like, I want everybody to have fun with what they do. And what I noticed is some of the traditional publishing houses, you know, they have everything that's all-inclusive. They kind of hold people's hands. They, they teach them. They help them. But just so many people didn't have access to that. And so I said, you know what, I want to create something that's more accessible to the average person. Um, so it's still professional. They're still making money, but it's more accessible. And so that's kind of how we got into the publishing. And then this thing called the pandemic started. <laughs> and so that's been fun trying to, you know, do that. Um, we'll do any of that. Because one week with the writing, we're at work, and two minutes later, we're not at work, and then we are. Like, it's crazy. But, yeah, yeah. so that's kind of how I got started. But I, I have fun. I enjoy that uniquely. Now, I'll, I'll say this much. On the writing front, um, one thing I, I'm going to have to ask, since you work both levels, you've worked both in the film, TV, and and, and also with books, you know, after reading Kathy, okay, what are you going to be calling Angela Bassett's people and go ahead and try to get her to take the lead role? Because I, can, I, I, can, I can see her as Kathy. I mean... You, okay, you, so Miss Bassett, you, if you or your people are listening, <laughs> yes, <call>. exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, just, just you know, share, share a little bit with the audience about this, how that story came into being, because that that, that that was a very impressive read. That really was. Oh well, thank you for that. So actually, it, Kathy is book two of a series. That actually, there's going to be 32 books with these female protagonists. But even though they're female, I would tell you that anybody can relate to them. You know, there's different facets of their character that anybody could relate to. But basically they all have to overcome some sort of adversity. And so the book we am speaking of um, is A Valley is Never a Finale, and, and Kathy's our main character in that one. Um, and it, it's it's a fictionalized tale, but... It is based in some reality that a lot of people know nothing about. A lot of people have no idea that in the 90s and early 2000s, there was this big scandal in the healthcare industry. Um, major scandal involved the White House, involved DOJ, involved U.S. attorneys, like major scandal where these hospitals basically, it was pay to play. If you had a new product or service that could improve a patient's care experience, the hospitals would not take it unless you contributed to their political funds. Um, and it was just like an unspoken norm across the country. Like that's just how it was. And so, and I think it was like 96, 97, there was a gentleman who, if, if any of y'all are old enough to remember this once upon a time when you went to the hospital, if you got a shot or anything dealing with a needle, like they would just throw it away. There were no sharps containers. There were no none of those red containers that we now oh, put yeah, things in so people don't get yeah. yeah. So there was a gentleman who he had invented two things. He had invented basically like a retractable needle. Like you, you get the injection and then the needle just retracts back inside and the person Nobody can be stuck with it. And he'd also invented these type of containers. 
Well, no matter what hospital he went to, nobody would um, nobody would look into it because he was not going to contribute a hundred thousand dollars or five hundred thousand dollars or whatever to their funds. So he hired an attorney out of Houston, Texas, and that attorney looked into it and it was very corrupt. And he started trying to pursue him in court. And the next thing you know, this attorney's dead. But somehow they made it. Uh, seemed as though this guy had overdosed. And Matthew McConaughey actually did a film about about that attorney, that attorney who died in, in the, I think, 99. And, but in real life, when that, that attorney died, a few years went by, and the U.S. Attorney's Office in Dallas County, Texas, got a hold of it. They got wind of it and started investigating it. Well, it just so happens that... Um, the lead U.S. attorney in that section that was investigating that. She was actually one of my college professors. Um, she used to be the district attorney for Dallas County. Wow. Um, yeah, she, like, and I love her to pieces. She was actually really close to retirement at this point where I'm writing this story, and, and she was going to go to seminary. But, you know, she had that tough as nails but a big old teddy bear kind of personality, you know, but she didn't tolerate injustices. So she was going after it hard and heavy, and she had assigned the case to one of her attorneys. So the attorney she assigned it to turns up dead, and then my professor, who's the lead attorney, um, she actually turns up dead. And within a week of her death, when people started asking questions, all of a sudden they disbanded her whole entire section. Um, you know, different people are no longer allowed to work on the case. Every single file she had just disappeared. Like, everything was sanitized. Um, and it was really strange. And there's a lot more details than that that you can read in the book. Now, I will say in my book I gave it a fictionalized ending. Um, it's, the book has a very different ending than real life. But I, have, I, I did include um, both a, um, an epilogue in the book where you can kind of read what I'm telling you about right now. Um, but that's where that story came from, kind of in tribute to her, I guess you you would say. Because I felt like I felt like her story needed to be told, and we should not forget that because we've never um, it just it just went away is what happened. It just went away, even though I, you know there's proof I, that, that the White House I, was telling them leave it alone, don't investigate. So I just thought her story needed I, to be out there. I, I will tell you, my mom had a uh, cleaning service. She was an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. and she cleaned uh, many doctors' offices and dentist offices. And they did not throw the needles away in the red pill. There was even mm-hmm. one time when, before the red pill came, we would smash down the garbage. And we would pick, and we we got poked. Mhm. And you see, that so, was yeah, a gentleman's argument. He says this exactly is exactly what he, you're talking about. Yeah, people were getting sick. You know, we had the AIDS epidemic, so people are getting stuck with these needles. They're contracting HIV. They're they're getting sick. Um, they're getting hepatitis. They're getting you know all kinds of things. People are getting when they get stuck. They're, they're getting medication in their system. And he couldn't understand why is it a pay-to-play system. We are putting people's lives at risk. 
And so he, he fought it. And there's a whole trail of dead attorneys as a result. Um, you know, in the book, I challenge people, go go, go Google search. Look, look it up. Um, you know, I don't ever like to tell people what to think, but I do encourage people to check out the facts of that case and see what you think. And I will, I will tell you, you know, we uh, we did smash down the garbage because mm-hmm. they didn't empty the garbage throughout the day, and uh, you know it was hanging over, and we had to put. Yeah, I got poked. A, oh, mm-hmm. Nick, I got poked a couple of times. Yeah, and a lot of times. The needles were closed, but yeah, they are careless with those needles. And mm-hmm. honestly, oh, yeah. I worked. I worked at dentist offices. I we cleaned them after hours. We cleaned mm-hmm. doctors' offices. They don't like hit the thing and throw the needle into the red tub. They just put the needle on and they throw it in. As if they're mm-hmm. playing basketball. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. It it and, and is that was that gentleman's point. Well, mm-hmm. well, I'll 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 say this much, you know, uh, you know, I mean, Kathy is normally not the type of genre that I I would uh, read, but it it held my attention, and you know, it's one of those things. It's one of those ones where I will admit, uh, and you know. Michelle, you, you're going to laugh on two levels for this one. I'm, I'm going to play double advocate. But at one point, uh, I was supposed to be working on a project for my agent that I had a deadline for. And I was going to read about only three chapters, and I ended up um, reading it the entire night. <laughs> so. oh, that's nice to hear. That's always nice to hear. Yeah, I can thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, so far there's you know, there's there's only been two books so far this year that that, uh, that I've, I've done that for yours and also uh, Raina Young's uh, Slasher Girl. So. Oh, okay, okay. And I think what holds people's attention in my books is there is a lot of real life in every single book I write. Something in the real world sparked me to write that. Um, typically, something that I personally have been involved in. And um, and I'm just like, wow! I have this incredible, amazing, crazy life sometimes. So I, you know, give people something to be entertained by. So I like the bird. You know, the bird is the one that's out right now. Um, that's the latest one. That um, we have a combat veteran that goes to Oregon and stumbles into some corruption, and that's a crazy ride. Just you know, that's a crazy ride too. Now. I'll tell you the one that really, really is uh, also piquing my interest is your uh, is the one about the um, you know the battle with the angels and the demons and the junkie. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, I and share, I think I a lot of people one. are gonna like that because it's a cross between it's a little bit of like fantasy, also with some drama and a little bit of comedy here and there. So I I think a lot of people are going to enjoy okay. that one. Um, well. So basically, in that one, we've got two two junkies on Earth. That's what everybody calls them. They just—they're always being accused of being junkies. They don't mean to be, but you know, just drugs are 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 there, and they they take them often. So everybody calls them that, 
and they don't like that label. They want to change their their ways, right? And at the same time, we've got this battle going on in the heavens where an angel and a demon, they're fighting, and the angel accidentally um, shoves the demon. She thinks she's shoving her down the hell, but she accidentally pushed her down the planet Earth. And um, I don't want to spoil it, but it's it's going to be interesting because the, the demon is going to wind up in the world of the two drug addicts. And, um, and, and the angel is tasked with going down there to Earth and making sure things don't get too far out of hand. But as you probably can guess, they do get out of hand. <laughs> they do get out of hand. So, well, um, the, yeah, I the, think a lot the, of people enjoy that one. Well, well, just from just from the preview that you shared, I'll, I'll admit I fell off of my chair laughing because you know, <laughs> of, of, of all the places. And that's my intention. You, yeah, you you went right for Detroit. So. <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine like how comical is that? A demon would rather go to hell than go to Detroit. So I don't I I lived in Middletown, Ohio. Right near the outskirts of Detroit, and I gotta tell you, I will oh, not go to Detroit. No, ma'am, I don't uh, go to Detroit either. I no, never, never, ever. My son had a leadership conference a couple years ago, and um, we went to Michigan State. And then on the um, way through, we, you know, we wanted to. We were like, well, let's go see Detroit. And then I got there, I was just like, no, we're not getting out of the car. Look, look at the back, look to your right, and we're getting back on the freeway. That's it. And that's all we did. No, I'm a crime stats person, and there's too much of that in Detroit. Um, it sounds very close to Detroit. Yes, he is. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm about 45 well, minutes to an hour out of it, cause... northwest of it. Oh, wow. It's not as bad as it was. It is improving. But... Is it? Yeah. I'm testified. I mean, there's even, a, there's even a show on Home, home and garden show or whatever the channel that is where they got people mm. buying up old dilapidated houses and redoing whole blocks. So they're starting to do old, you know, oh, well, that's good. two houses on a block at a time. That's and, good. You know, so yeah, whenever, I of, whenever I think of Detroit, I I, uh, mm-hmm. I think of um, the movie Airplane in the last <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nick, all we got was the model, the autopilot. No, no, no. Yeah, you know what? Um, you know what? Though I'm very curious because after reading your bio too, one of the first things that popped into my mind because I like this kind of subject in the first place in military experience. Um, have you? Do you have anything to say about UFOs, for example? I mean, for example, do you, UFOs? I mean, I could talk, probably talk all day. They're about all in Detroit. In what context? Well, well they're in Detroit. I mean, and, and just anything that you might have heard or, like, uh, any experiences that you might have uh, come across or any friends that, you know, flew and saw something, anything in your career that could be related to something to that extent? Well, not really, but, you know, I was there in defense, okay? I worked with the Patriot Missile Systems, 
again, you know, my job was, to, you know, we shot missiles at people, people shot them back. I did the, like, I operated the system. The Patriot system is divided kind of into two parts, and you have somebody, for the sake of simplicity, who's operating, you know, tracking things on the radar inside of a van, and then you had, like, me, like, we were the, the ones on the ground doing all the electrical component kind of stuff and maintaining it and operating it and ensuring it's ready to go. So, I mean, we start, we, you know, our motto was, if it flies, it dies. Um, were there ever things that maybe we couldn't tell what it was on the radar? Sure, absolutely, of course. Um, you know, and, and again, you have to, you know, what is UFO? Unidentified flying object, right? So that can be a lot of things. Um, are there lots of things that we can't explain? Yes, absolutely. There are a lot, and, and I can say that that's not classified, but I can tell you a lot of, particularly with my job, a lot of things that go on in the air defense space um, is classified. So it's not really a conversation we can have on air. But, I mean, are there, are there things that we can't explain that are in the air? Sure, there are. Um, you know, also air defense is like the, the, the parent of Space Force, right? A lot of people laugh that Space Force was a joke, but um, Space Force goes hand in hand with air defense and how we protect ourselves. Um, they probably have a lot more intel on that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, absolutely. Are there things that are in the air that we don't know what they are? Sure there are. Absolutely there are. Wow. Yeah, that, no, just, uh, I didn't know that you would have knowledge, or maybe you did, or you, you can't say, but... Just uh, anybody with your experience, I, I was just curious if you came across any, any kind of – it's something – you know, I, I, I always think with along those lines, um, eventually it's true, the truth is going to come out. So, you know, the longer we live our lives, eventually there will come a day where somebody's going to say on the news, oh, yeah, it's, uh, it's true. <laughs> but, uh, you know. I mean, but what's true? I guess I, I would tell you be more specific with your question because you're really kind of vague. Um, I mean, you can ask me a, a direct question, and if I can answer it, I will. Um, I, I can tell you, so Fort Fort Bliss, um, which is my last duty station, we're right there with Holloman Air Force Base, White Sands Missile Range. Have UFOs been detected in these areas, you know, things that they couldn't identify? Yes, absolutely, 100%. You know, that's why there's labs. That's why it's studied in this area, because it does exist. Um, that it, That's just not something that they widely share with the public, though. Oh, well, yeah. It, well, I guess maybe something a little bit more direct, <laughs> because you, you mentioned it, uh, because I, I was vague. I, I don't know how to answer these questions. They just come off the top of my head. I mean, I'm Francie's mm -hmm. other half. So uh, knowing that you're going to be on the show and stuff and reading your bio, I was thinking, oh, she's so deep in the military. i got to ask her something about UFOs. So, but but um, well, is there anything in your life that has convinced you that, yes, there indeed is intelligence beyond us? Beyond people on planet Earth? Uh, is that what me? you're asking me? Yeah. You're asking me, yeah. I think there's, like, sentient beings on some other... Um, I might not be some it. other planet, per se, but there's something, like, with alien abductions, with, you know, it's not, the whole nine yards um, can't, like, um, use any specific thing, but, I mean, 
anything beyond Earth, beyond human beings that's um, that's out there, whether it's oh, uh, a different dimension or another planet or what's extraterrestrial and intelligent that's beyond us that you've encountered that that makes you go, yeah, there's there's more than human beings in the universe. Well, okay, so my job, I was like boots on the ground on planet Earth. I was not a part of Space Force. That's definitely a Space Force kind of question. Um, I have not seen aliens or any, anything of that sort. Um, definitely there are things that cannot be explained with just basic logic. Um, a lot of these sorts of things, it is going to be classified information. And you have to understand, um, you know, even when I separated service, like I was signing non-disclosure agreements and certain things that I couldn't talk about X, Y, and Z for till you know, 50 years out, and I haven't been out of the military for 50 years. Um, you know, so some things are just classified, can't be discussed, but I personally have never seen an alien. Um, but I would definitely tell you there are some things that cannot be explained, um, you know, with our own wisdom. Do You know, do do I think there's, uh, you know, like a high, higher power and that kind of thing? So absolutely. But, um, but no, I've never seen an alien. Total respect. That that is without a doubt total respect. Love it. Love that response. Now, now Nick, I'll, I'll admit, since you were starting to bring up the question about life on other planets, here I was hoping that means you have an update about the hamsters from the planet Wu. Uh, I, you know, I was just going to mention that. Um, it was, you know, from a serious question to a more serious question. Because there is life on other planets. We know that because hamsters came from the planet Wu. Hamsters, they were discovered in the 1700s by Friedrich Gabriel Schultzer. And, uh, and, you know, it's it's a complicated story involving time portals and things. But the planet Wu uh, and their moon, which is a moon of gerbil, they're at war with each other often. And uh, the leader of the hamster army is General Sputomy. And um, people laugh at him, like the gerbils and stuff, saying, ha, here, he, your name is so cute to me. No, it's so cute to me. But anyway, and they have, like, the gift squid on the planet Wu that help the hamsters fight the gerbils. Long they wanted me to, like, I, you know, I could go on forever. It's actually been in the back of my mind for years. Yeah, they wanted me to mention that, and I was very hesitant because it's so off topic. Except for life in other planets, I suppose. It, it, this is a book series. We're trying to persuade him to actually write instead of yeah, just Yeah, I'll write about. it one day. My, um thing I've been known for since the 1980s is horror, and it's hard to, like, step away from that, especially when you're publishing other people's books and you don't have time to write much these days. But still, still, it will happen. The hamsters of the planet, woo. And Which, the by the way, William, uh, Nick did pull out your photo that you sent him for Christmas. With the awesome. planet yeah, that, that photo of the hamsters of the planet where I said, 
Why are you keeping this in a drawer? We got to frame this. Let's find a frame, put it up on the wall. William did this for us. Well, surprise, and I'm glad you like it. <laughs> <laughs> Hamsters. But yeah, anyway, I mean, uh, let's. Show so, so what you working on now? Yeah, what are you working Hello? on right now, Michelle? Yeah. Oh, you said what am I working on right now? I'm sorry. You know what? It went dead for just a moment. So yeah, yeah, I heard like I a beep or something. Mm-hmm, I heard it too. So the book that we talked about with the angels and the and the demons and all that coming to earth. Um, that's one. I'm working on so much. I, I just the list is too long. I've got um, I should be here to pitch to Columbia Pictures. So we'll see what they have to say about that. I was a little nervous about that, so we'll see what they have to say. And I got to do one. Okay, HBO books for features that I wrote. So we'll see how that turns out. Of all time is Columbia Pictures. Columbia TriStar is my all-time favorite is movie it? company. <laughs> yeah. well, well, I, I like them all. Good stuff. Yeah, Columbia TriStar. What do you like most about writing, Michelle? Echo, turn on shit. What do I like most about writing? Yep. I kind of ask all the other writers and people I know like that because I, I write and, you know, I, I just was wondering. I mean, it's one of those curious questions I get curious about asking other writers and publishers and that about. I think there's a couple of things that I like. Well, one, I definitely, I enjoy entertaining other people, but I also enjoy crafting worlds and building these characters and just kind of like exploring that universe through them. I enjoy that. Putting them in Great situations the world. That's really cool, though. and trying to get them mm-hmm. out of the situation. Mm-hmm. There you go. It yeah. works your yeah. mind. Yeah. It's kind of like, okay, I'm going to get you in this situation, and now i got to get you. Okay. Then how do we get you out? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And the one thing you always got to think about when you're writing the book is he didn't get out of the cock-a-duty car. Exactly. <laughs> Misery. Remember, they, they they skipped everything. He didn't get out of the car. <laughs> he didn't get out. And that's the great thing I think about writing is that he didn't get out of the cock-a-duty car. You sound just like Eddie Wilkes. Hmm. I don't, yes. I, I trust, tell, tell me you don't have a sledgehammer in Nick's office. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a Detroit accent. He didn't get out of the cock-a-duty car. Actually, the Detroit, they say car instead of car. No, we say car. We say car. Say <laughs> car. Say car. Car. Because maybe it's Ohio then. Because my mom always said car. He didn't get out of the cock-a-duty car. Sounds like from Mostly Ohio. 
Savvy, Ohio. They always do stuff weird well, down there. Yeah. Yeah, my mom was born in Cincinnati. She's like, you know what? We'll do it tomorrow. We'll do it when? In South Carolina. She's saying, tomorrow. We'll do it tomorrow. No, she didn't even say tea. She just said tomorrow. Well, that works. I mean, shorthand. Well, Now, now Michelle, I, 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 no, I have a fun question for you. Um, so, venturing, venturing into the publishing side of things, what do you try to look for when uh, when you get the writers that are always uh, you know approaching you with uh, you know, with the quarries and the synopsis and all those fun little uh, pitch packages and such? Synopsis. So we don't yes, actually just take we're, the, the majority of publishing companies don't take unsolicited queries, and and we don't. Um, you you kind of have to be invited to, you know. Uh, you can ask me, can you query, and then we'll say yes, and then you'll you'll send it. But I mean, the bottom line up front is going to be the same thing I would look for in a screenplay or any other type of writing. Um, is it is it monetizable? Is it sellable? Does it use arts plot structure? Does it follow the hero's journey? Um, and if it doesn't, that's not going to be a story that we would work with um, because it's not going to go anywhere. Ah. Okay. That makes sense. I mean, it, it mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. And a lot of people, yep. you know, literally they just wake up one morning and say, hey, I want to write, and they don't ever bother to get trained. So they don't understand the nuances of sellable writing. They know how to write. I mean, like, you know, they learn that in fifth grade, sixth grade, and all through high school. We write papers and things, right? But when you're talking about mm-hmm. sellable writing, there's actually there's like a little bit of science, science behind it, right? And so oh, if, yeah. if you're not understanding the dramatic question and the hero's journey and, and all of these things that go with that, chances are you're not going to have something that's sellable. Um, I mean, yeah. you don't have to be like just, so rigid and walk this fine line, but you know there is a method to the madness. That that's why certain things they know. Okay, hey, yeah, this is gonna sell. This will draw an audience, and and some things yeah. don't. And everybody thinks and, that you're gonna write a book and you're gonna be the next Stephen King. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. No, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's a lot of work that goes into it, you know. And William and exactly. That I'm working with, you know, you've got to do the marketing, you've got to do the, you know, you got to do all the all the, the pre-production kind of stuff. Um, who's your audience? Who are you writing this for? Well, trailer, you, you, you got to get out the there advertising. Trailer out there too. Mhm. Mhm. There is a lot of oh, it is a film marketing. You can just wake up, roll out of bed, and now you're the next whatever you know Stephen King or something. No, there is a lot of work that goes into that. Yeah. Um, and then you get your book published, and everybody's like, "Oh, you got it made." No, it's called Books of Millions for a reason, because there's a million <laughs> different titles on that book shelf. Yeah, it's yep. You got you got a bunch of buttons up ahead. That's what I was gonna say. And, and what sets your book apart? Why should people read your book versus you know? I mean, other books on there. 
And so, you know, yep. yeah, that takes some work. It's a, it's a full-time job. It's not like you just write it, put it out there, and lay back and collect money. No, it doesn't work that way. It's, it's a full-time job. It is. A- amen on that one. Yeah. One hundred percent. You just you 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 can't just write a book and you're going to say, okay, publisher, do it. Yeah, definitely not. Definitely not. And I see a lot of people. They think if they just throw it up on Amazon, for example, because oh, Amazon's big. Oh, it's going to sell. No, it won't because Amazon doesn't do any marketing for you. So it's there, but nobody knows it's there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe the five people you told. They know, but nobody knows it's there. So, and something that I do that's different than most traditional publishers, um, you know, I work with my authors one-on-one, and, you know, like every day I'm interacting with them and giving them a task, and, okay, we're going to do this in baby steps, and today do this, tomorrow do that. Um, I'm sure it can be overwhelming at first, you know, when you're just trying to get into the training things, it can be very overwhelming, but, I'm, you know, I try to work with them so they get a routine and get in the habit and understand just how much work it is and they find success as opposed to not finding success. Because no. my goal for all of our writers, I want each of our writers to be able to pay their bills doing it. And it's, it's totally possible, but you've got to put in the work. That's the thing. You've got to be willing to put in that amount of work. And you know what? We have some great authors who do put in the work. They definitely put in the work. It is is a lot of amount of work because you're going to get off your, you know, Mm 40-hour week job, and then you're going to get on your computer, and you're going to say, okay, it's going to work, and you're going to be pushing and pushing and pushing. It's Mm -hmm. not easy. People say, oh, you, you you published a book? Why are you working here? Well, because it hasn't sold really that one million copies yet. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Just because you get you a book published does not mean that you're a millionaire. What, what the hell? Right. Yeah. And even during this pandemic, it's been harder because, you know, a lot of places that used to host events for authors like book signings or whatnot. They haven't been hosting events. So that's yeah. you know, that yeah. part that was yanked away from the author. So it's trying to be creative and, okay, how can we overcome that? What can we do in place of that? Um, even this last week, I had the last couple of days, I had some of my authors, I said, okay, check this place, check this place, check that place. And half of the authors were telling me that, hey, they're not doing in-person events for others. You know, and then some are like, okay, well, maybe, but it's this or that. So, I mean, that's something in 2022 in the age of COVID that makes it a little tougher. It's not impossible to be a writer, but it does make it a little tougher, and you you have to be willing to continue anyway and be persistent anyway um, and just do the work. Yeah, you can't Nick, just give up. Nick, you yeah. a publisher, you would know because mm-hmm. you – before the COVID pandemic hit and all the conventions were oh, shut yeah, down. Oh, yeah, I've been a publisher. Mm-hmm. I've been doing this, uh, well, publishing other people since about 2005, Black Bedsheet Books. Mm-hmm. Um, I started in 2008, and uh, we're actually responsible technically, if you look it up online, 
for the first um, um, ever virtual ebook signing, um, and that was that was back then. Um, uh, it, it's a totally different world now, where uh, you could it, it, that situation has changed, where you can't just well you can, but I mean um, uh, even with COVID, um, that uh, that kind of stuff didn't work as much as. Um, uh, sending my authors or my authors going on their own accord mm-hmm. to conventions, right. book signings, things. With COVID, that yeah. whole thing all stopped. And that was, uh, I think, like Tom Sawyer, who's uh, uh, um, on this show tonight, uh, uh, mm-hmm. he uh, he does conventions every spring. Mm-hmm. And I published like 13 books of his over the years. And, um, and he goes out every single spring. He goes out. But with COVID, um, and stuff, I had like brand new authors, great talents that are really huge. Like uh, uh, Chuck W. Mm-hmm. Chapman, who's a magician, um, uh, a musician, <laughs> and uh, he has like uh, several CDs and, and so forth. It's just when it when it comes to doing personal stuff, like live appearances and everything, that's uh, yeah. we were kind of all about that with uh, like. Uh, uh, you know, over the years, that just stopped. It was just so frustrating to not be yes. able to like uh, do anything like that. Just a- everything mm-hmm. online. Um. Anyway, yeah, I, I'm yeah, going I've on. Yeah, I've been pulling my hair out about that too. You know, we've, we've done a lot of the virtual signings and launches, but it's just not the same condition. And then we were thinking that we were going to get everybody together and do a festival in. Uh, Miami, and literally the same night that we started planning that, half my authors came down with COVID. They all had COVID. Yep. And I said, you know what, that's just a reminder that maybe we need to stay at home. This is too risky. Because what, what if we had all been at the convention together? Then everybody would have COVID, right? And so yeah, I said, you know what, let's, was, let's see what next You know, another thing, though, I'm fancy, oh, hold on just a second. Case in point is uh, I mm-hmm. made a deal with uh, the Days of the Dead conventions, um, mm-hmm. with uh, courtesy of Joe Mo in Los Angeles, who organized it. He um, uh, was involved with fa- famous monsters, and he was Forrest J. Ackerman's, um, uh, the, the guy that took care of him. Um, and uh, so I had this deal, and it was based on conventions, uh, a, a regional mm-hmm. short stories. It would be a short story contest. The winners would be included in the anthology, and then the anthology would appear at that convention in their state, Days of the Dead, and um, and Joe would be there, and the authors would be there promoting their books and everything, and that was huge too. Didn't happen with that COVID. No. Nope. <laughs> yeah. 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 Just uh, so that that. Uh, uh, Anyway, I think that we're beyond that, though, nowadays. I mean, there's resurgences and so forth, but um, people are going out now to conventions. We just had, uh, there was one just locally. Um, So Because here, you know, Los Angeles is the bigger place where we try to take people because it's close. But Los Angeles is pretty much going back on lockdown again. They, they, there's a huge outbreak. People are in masks again. They're asking people to stay home, and it's terrible. You know, that's not the whole country, but 
for our part of the country, that's that's huge because that is like our central place is is Los Angeles. I heard that about San Francisco too, because we're in California and mm-hmm. Sacramento, and okay. yeah, so uh, we hear all about that. I've heard about that. Yeah. Not, it does not end. politically. I'm just boosted because I wanted to. <laughs> Nick, we missed Bob Yeah, I like to do them all year. I usually try to do some spring. There's a couple in the mm-hmm. summer. And there's actually was a book event in Detroit today, but I had a, a family commitment this weekend. And I, mm-hmm. there's fall and winter that I do. So I try to do them all year. Most of them are in the spring and early summer. But, um... This year it's been kind of my wife's had some health issues as part of this year, and so I've had to bow out of at least three of them already. <laughs> you know, because oh, I try to get out there and you know, I you know I I don't know if it's so much marketing, but I like to be out there to try to push and you know get mm-hmm. word out on my books and stuff and my writing and you know. That, that's, yeah, exactly that's what I said. I mean, this guy for uh, as long as I've been publishing easy. them and everything every single mm-hmm. spring. And so these, like, uh, and he posts these fantastic photos for me to put on their group page. Hey, look at our author. <laughs> yeah, and it's hard when you're not able to go. You know, it's just... It's, yeah. Yep. It's just different. It's very different. And I, I guess we'll all figure out at some point how to maneuver this this thing. Oh, I'm sure we will. Yeah. If there's I mean, not, there's like, some other virus. Out. There's <laughs> something monkeypox. Yeah. <laughs> yes, oh my goodness. And that's what they have in LA right now too. The monkeypox is going crazy, and I'm I'm like, oh, okay, so we're we're just gonna stay home, ladies and gentlemen. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's easy yeah. nowadays to be reclusive. And then, did you see now that um, New York is even doing public service announcements in the event of a nuclear war? So I, mean, I did see that. I, I yeah, I, I have no idea yeah. what the, what they're thinking of or what they might have heard, but uh, well, what you know. they heard was was Russ is not happy with us. And ah. listen, on a serious note, you know, North Korea has ballistic missiles that can reach America, and, and Russia and Iran can too. So, um, I, and I don't want to get into anything political, but you know, better to have a plan and not need it than need one and not have one. Yeah. That's true. Oh. You know what I mean? I, I, you I are my new hero. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Tom. No. You were my oh, hero. No, I'm, I'm sorry. Well, I got a new hero. She's great lady. That's right. I mean, I got a great lady yeah. on here tonight. Yeah, you look and Francie, look, it's finally balanced. You got a, you have a female co-host out uh-huh. here. You got, you got another woman. So you see, yeah. it's about freaking time. I cannot tell you how many times I'm struck. Okay, let's be honest though, Michelle. Would you rather work with males or females? Why would you ask me that? <laughs> Somebody, I, no matter how I answer this, so I, I, dude, I'm um, totally down with working with males 
all the way. It's like, okay, you know, when so. It, when it comes to work, I want to work with the most qualified person. That's who, who bottom line, that's who I want to work with. I don't care if it's a fair answer. dog cat, whatever. That, um, that, is a, that is a very good answer. You know, that that's works. really who, who, it does tend to be males. <laughs> But let's but say, I you're like, you can honestly say, that's my boys. Mm-hmm. And they're going to say, yeah. You work with a bunch, of, that's my girls. What are you talking about? What, what, what? That's <laughs> me a punch. Never mind. That was probably a really bad statement, and I'm probably gonna get my ass kicked in the morning. The views expressed by Francie does not reflect those of Francie. Just for the record. (laughs) Now, 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 Michelle. There's one thing that you do. You you had posted this a while back. You and I had talked about this, and I'll admit I'm very, very baffled by it. You had mentioned mm-hmm. that, um, you know, out of the two, you know, you do still get nervous about actually pitching to the studios versus your time in combat. And I, I don't know. I mean, I guess in one sense I can, you know, I can see that one would be, you know, God forbid, but somebody would actually kill you physically, and the other one would kill the career. But more the latter would always still be the uh, you know, the, the higher point of uncomfortable. Um, I mean, you know, so there's some, you know, you would get uncomfortable and nervous in either situation. Um, yeah. My experience in combat, I was a leader. I wasn't just, you know, like some private. I was already a platoon sergeant when I went to combat. So going to combat, I had, I guess, more of a sense of duty to my soldiers. Like, hey, I need to bring these guys and girls home to their parents. Like, put everything else aside. I got to bring you home alive. Period. You know, whereas kitchen is like, okay, all eyes on me. It's all about me. You're judging me today. Nobody was judging me in combat. I mean, like, if the enemy judged me, I didn't know because I was shooting missiles at people, so he or she wasn't close to me. Um, okay. You know, but <laughs> so there's a difference. But I mean, I don't get nervous like dysfunctional where I can't pitch. It's like, okay, I have nerves. Now let me put that in my pocket and move forward and tell my story. Like that's how it is when I when whenever I pitch. Like I just did two pitches, and I was actually I was a little nervous in the days before, but the day of I was fine. I was like, hey, let's do this. Like, is it time? Let's go ahead and do it. Um. Because I just wanted to hurry up and get the feedback, which I'm still waiting on. This was a two up. Wow. You know, because you know, I, I, I will throw this out to the audience. I know some of our members would appreciate it. Uh, you know, my advice to Michelle was to uh, make sure that she could find a, a decent shade of green that will match the helmet that she'd be wearing <laughs> you know, when she goes to the pit. Because, you know, I, I, I've seen her lead, and I've worked with her a few times on a few projects. And you know the the woman never fails to uh, to you know just you know, res- I respect her more and more each time. So. Yeah, but I'm not, right. don't ever think like I don't get nervous. Like it it happens. Trust me. Okay. The block the block talk radio is about to uh, cut us off. <laughs> <laughs>
and I will definitely tell you, Michelle, I respect you 100%. Everything that you have done is, like, if you were to go on Wife Swap right now and the woman (laughs) was to read your bio and let's say I got to go to your house and I got to live up to you, I would say, ah, bunch ripples. (laughs) I am going to totally suck on this. What do I... You are... Oh, no, if we wife and she was over here, she would, like, secretly tell the camera... You know, he's really great and everything. He can't stop talking about UFOs. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I would have to agree with you. On air? No. If we wife swapped, I would have to say at the same time, oh, crap, you're going to have to live with Nick. <laughs> <laughs> He's really a great guy. Really? He does do his really? but no, Nick, you are a great guy. But if I had to step in her house, oh, we get along. I'm all about books too. Yeah, I do there books for a living. <laughs> Nick, I was, I was, I was, uh, Nick, I was trying to make a point. Well, I mean, fortunately for you, Francie, there's one rule of thumb that uh, you know works wonders. Uh, I'm I'm, I'm going to steal your thunder a minute. I got Nickerdoodle. Well, besides that, you know, rule of thumb: it's if it's not in the appointment book, don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) I I would be totally intimidated to like if I read your household manual. I would be so intimidated to stand in. I I considered myself a hero because I deep cleaned the kitchen today. Woohoo! You know what? And when I deep clean the kitchen, I consider myself a hero too. That is definitely hero stuff. So yes, you are a hero Oh, yeah, no. you gotta you gotta look at the toaster oven because he uh-huh. keeps toasting keeps toasting the bread and there's bread down. I saved this spider today. I did save this spider that was in the kitchen sink and it only showed up today. And I I knocked off the fan top, and then there was a dust bunny on the landing. So, yeah, I did have an interesting, oh, crap, I had a non-interesting day. I did save a spider, though. It was an interesting day, Francie. It was a great day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we need to have you on again. Well, that'll be funny. Yeah, I'll let you know. I enjoyed tonight. Don't hold the wall up for you. Everybody. We really need to have everybody you on again. We didn't scare you away. No, you have a friend show. I listen in periodically. I don't, sometimes I'm multitasking, so I just, like, have it on and it's, it's needed and I listen in. But, no, you guys are a bunch of fun. I enjoyed it. 
And thanks so much for having me on. How about if we asked if we, we would be on, on the 31st? What day of the week is that? That is Sunday, the 31st. I can be on the first part of the show because the next morning I got a super early day, but I can be on like the first hour. Yes. I'm saying yes. Cool. But All right, the 31st. Hour. We're going to hold her for that. So I don't forget. Yeah. <laughs> William will remind yeah, me. Yep, yeah, put it in the calendar. <laughs> mm-hmm. I am right now. Yeah. You know, it, um, uh, I, I, if it ever behooves you, you can mm-hmm. uh, always, like, um, send us, like, uh, if you have, like, uh, uh, back in your uh, pageant days, um, mm-hmm. like if you were in uh, some kind of a swimsuit calendar, you can like uh, tear off a page, mail it to us, and sign it. No, no. no. <laughs> I, I'm kidding, actually. Though. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that's, that's the me too. We can talk more about writing. <laughs> yeah, let's talk. Yes, we're talking Nick. about writing. <laughs> Nick, why are you asking her to sing on? Because I know that there's more to her life than just the military, and it fascinates me that she's like. So you those, want to see? Um, you know, like uh, watching as many World War II documentaries and stuff back in the day, like the Andrews sisters and the whole stuff. I mean, literally, like I said when I first Andrews talked. Sisters. Uh, if, if you transported her back to World oh, War II, they would paint her persona on, on a on an airplane or two, <laughs> something like that, because she's she's everything that the United States needs. Really good girl muscle power to help defend her. I, I, I promise you, Smart. Uh, Michelle, he's not creepy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but it's the whole nine yards and stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, this is what happens when all the writers get together. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> oh, exactly. Yeah. No matter where they are, it's true. It's true. Yep. We're almost as bad as a nerd convention. Well, listen, y'all, it's been fun. I'm going to let y'all go because I, I okay. believe it or not, I still got some work to do right now. It has been fun. I believe it. It's been a joy. And I look forward to seeing y'all on the 31st, or, well, seeing you, talking to you okay. on the 31st. All right. Awesome. He's still on board. Nick did not creep her away. <laughs> we, we got some talking to do, Nick. <laughs> okay, well, listen, everybody, have a good rest of your evening. But I'll talk to you. I look forward to the 31st. All right. Awesome. Well, real okay. quick, where can we find you, Michelle? Yeah. <laughs> so they can find me. Like, if anybody's interested, I'm on Facebook. LinkedIn is the best way. Go to our website, kmpentertainment.org. Um, or just ask William when he's on the show, and he can point you in the right direction. I'll be happy to, yes. <laughs> but y'all have a good night. Take care. And again, thank you so much. I had fun. Thanks I love for you, me Michelle. On. You're awesome. Love you too. Mwah. Mwah. All right. Well, Take fun. care. Thanks and I'll talk coming. to you. Me. Nick, you're good.
See, that was awesome. awesome. Okay, let's get this one. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.